You won't believe what I've got in the latest edition of Who's Round, woman. Supper ready? My name is Laurie Webb, and um, I'm 91 years of age. Uh, let me see. Uh, my first introduction to entertainment was when I was eight years old, and that was going back to Wales and across when I was young, eight years of age, uh, at Newport Monmouth. Yeah. My father was uh, the stage manager at the Newport Empire, which was a Mosses circuit. And on this particular occasion, uh, a farce came visiting for, I think it was only one week. And in this, <laughs> in this farce, they wanted a child. And they asked around the town and didn't uh, have any luck. So they asked the people who were in the theatre, and my father said, well, I don't know, I've got, a, I've got a boy, eight years old. And they said, oh, yes, that's it, yeah, eight years of age. Bring him in. So we did this, and they were lovely, those people. And, uh, and that was, uh, I don't know whether Fred Dupre actually wrote it, but he was certainly the leading man, and he presented it. It was his job, Fred Dupre. And his daughter is June Dupre, who became a, um, a Hollywood film star. And I enjoyed it very much, and I was with them for that week, and uh, I think altogether one month. But we played towns, and I think we finished up as far as Aberdeen. Wow. Far away. That's that. far flung. But... Now, what they did about education, but I think there was, if my memory serves me right, there was a person within the company, or they had a person in the company, that because there was a child, education was not neglected. That's how it all started. At eight years old? Yeah, at eight and, years old. And was there no going back then? Was, uh, once I got the bug, you know, I, I, that was it. And I thought of nothing else. I mean, my schooling was a disaster. <laughs> I mean, really. Um, and um, I did it in a in an amateur way, I suppose. But I didn't actually do any acting until oh, that's not then. In the following years, after after school. I sang a lot, and I sang with dance bands because that was the, the easiest access. Because there were no groups, there mm. were no uh, as there is today, you know, quartets, quintets, that sort of thing. But I used to go to the dances and at uh, all the ballrooms there, particularly Cardiff, and there was a a, a ballroom under the Capital Cinema at Cardiff, which was great. 
And so uh, whenever there was a dance on several times a week, I would go and the, and the bands got to know me. And then because it was the time that it was, they, they had um, visiting bands which would come to the cinemas on a Sunday night because down in Wales, you see, there was no there was no films on the Sunday. So they used to get visiting orchestras there and uh, uh, like Charlie Shaw. And, but there were some very well-known bands that came there and I used to do a couple of numbers with them in the concert. So once I'd been they got to know me once I'd been introduced, or I'd introduced myself. They would say, "Yeah, come and do something." And then I used to say, and they say, "Yeah." And the word got about, and eventually, whenever the visiting bands came to the cinemas for Sunday concerts, I did quite a lot of that. And then, of course, the army came. I was called up, obviously, mm -hmm. and uh, in the. Uh, Royal Corps of Signals, and I joined at Prestatin. That was my initial training up there in North Wales. And uh, from there, I uh, joined the uh, second line of communication, which was uh, 2LOC, and oddly enough, was billeted in Rains Park, which is down the line from here towards yeah. London. So, you know. And I found an awful lot of entertainment that I could do as a, but in uniform then, of course. But it, it was still there, that little bug kept appearing, you know, and flashes have managed to do nights, just nights, but there was quite a lot of it. And then uh, from the entertainment, after, after the Europe, after we'd done Europe, I was sent out to... Uh, India, and from India I was sent out to Singapore, and at Singapore they asked for entertainers because uh, things were, uh, by that time, I was there at the end of the war, and so things slowed down, and the troops needed entertaining, and I joined ENSA, which was, no, it was renamed CSE, Combined Services Entertainment, and I joined that in Singapore. Uh, all this comes about. I went to India first and then went to Singapore, and on the boat going over there, Roger Livesey and Ursula Jean were on board. And of course, there was entertainment on going from there to there. And of course I did a bit and then they were very friendly and uh, I used to see them every day and play wow. death trips and all that business. So they were going to the theatre in Singapore and of course the old wheels were working again and it was the theatre and it was Roger lives there and you know. But so as soon as this word came about that there was that they wanted people for entertainment I went along there, not to, they'd moved on by then, but the auditions and interviews were going on there. And of course I walked in and they said, oh yes, please come in. So 
I was then transferred from the army into combined services entertainment. Fantastic. And I, I guess that's, a, that's a, 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 as good a training ground as any. You just yeah. turn your hand to everything. Concert parties, all concert parties for the troops, you see. Or you'd get up and do your own act, uh, sing for, I don't know, however many songs, uh, with whatever accompaniment they happened to have there. Uh, whilst I was there, the writers of um, A Day Now Hot Mum, you know, the, Jim, the army yeah, thing, Jimmy, Jimmy Perry, Perry Jimmy yeah, yeah. that's where they were, at Singapore, or at least Jimmy was, in the same row of billets that they had, he was there. And um, also my good friend, Glyn Houston, oh, yes. that's where I met Glyn, and we've been close ever since. And we played golf together for years and years. Now he's moved down to West Sussex, and uh, I don't see him as often as I would like. But nevertheless, Glyn is very close, and his family were close. We became really, really close, and he still is probably, you know, my oldest friend now because all the other friends, even the ones that I went to school with, they've gone. But Glyn is still alive. Because well, Glynn was also in a Doctor Who directed by Lenny Ex May. Yes, he was. Yeah. He was. Well, he met. I suppose he met Lenny through me because it was me that met Lenny first in Guys and Dolls. So, I mean, so there you are. It yeah. all mixes in, doesn't it? So, so it's, it's like spaghetti. <laughs> now, this this singing. Did you ever have any training, or is it just because you're Welsh and because of your upbringing? Oh uh, no, I singing? did. I no, I did have training. <clears throat> When I when I decided that it would help. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so anyway, um, from Singapore, I was transferred back to India, in Delhi, in India, and there it was the headquarters of the Combined Services Entertainment. That was the headquarters, and from there, these concert parties, like the like the Enough <laughs> groups. Well, they that they were formed there, at at Singapore, and I travelled India. I mean, travelled India. I mean, right up the top, right up all of it. There, all the principal towns, and I was there for oh, well, I came back, when did I go? 1946, 1946, the, yes, uh, bank holiday, I don't know, yes, right until then, the end of 46, I suppose, it was, it was about a year, mm. more, more than a year probably, uh, so I saw a great deal of that, of India, Yeah. Darjeeling, right up, right down to Bombay. Have you ever been back? No. <laughs> there is a saying, of course, that if you look <coughs> at uh, the arch in, in Bombay, or as it as it was then Bombay, if you if you look back, you'll go back, and an awful lot of us had had quite enough. Thank you very much. Sure. So we we, were, we got below decks, <laughs> and we didn't look back. But funnily enough, Glyn did. Ah. 
just he yes he went back to India to, to he did a job, and then uh, from there from when I got involved, <coughs> I think I only went back for about ten days back home to my parents and straight to London and within a week I was working. I joined a company that had been on once before at the dancing years and that they opened at Drury Lane and I joined it in London when it was I think it was in Paris and that was it and I joined for the tour. But I joined as a singer because there was no way in because the, comp the company was small so there wasn't any chance of, of going in there and doing an audition and they said right we want you for this part but none of that so I joined the chorus and it was for the tour of dancing years and that was fantastic that was lovely really lovely but it went on, and I wound up playing the juvenile lead, Franz Franzel. One of my great joys there was to go in on the band call, because wherever we went in the towns, you know, there would be rehearsal, band rehearsals on Mondays. And one of my great joys was going onto the stage and sitting just in the pit with the orchestra, with the band that would play it that week. Fabulous. I don't know where if ever you I don't know whether you've done this, but if ever you have the opportunity, especially if it's any size orchestra, if ever you have the opportunity to get to sit in the middle of it, take it, grab it with both hands. It is a fabulous experience to sit in the middle of an orchestra. Anyway, from there. There were rough times, actually, that mm -hmm. I didn't get any work. So, it, you know, it wasn't all, you know, it wasn't all honey and uh, easy riding. It wasn't. I had periods out of work with, oh, my goodness. But anyway, because it was, our, uh, because it was uh, Tom Arnold's production, which he did the, no uh, the novello show, um, I did, even did a circus for him. I noticed that. Yes. <coughs> there was a <coughs> Haringey Arena as a clown, as a part a stage manager, you know, the assistant stage manager. And you, uh, if you're in the circus, you work. And it doesn't matter what they ask you to do, you do it. You know, there, is, uh, <laughs> there are no principles except the people that are performing, really performing. High wire, lion tennis, that kind of thing. And made friends, actually, with uh, at least one of the lions, which I faced <coughs> head on. You faced a lion? <coughs> which was a mistake. <laughs> Quite a mistake. But anyway, it was like... And I, I used to uh, go down and... Uh, and uh, and he said, oh, come, 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 come. And this bloody lion was lying with its 
Russia says he's going to Russia says. So I used to go down and talk to this thing every day. But anyway, they used to move these <coughs> cages on wheels down to the arena, a big cage there, and they would all fit together. And when they were fitted together, they would take out the, the bars in between them, you see, so they could run right through into the, into the ring. And in reverse, they would go, and they all knew. And then when they were in there, they would shut the, the grids dividing and then push them all back. And everybody used to lend a hand, had to push these cages back to the menagerie where they were kept. And this particular evening, I, we all pushed and I parted the cage. And there's, <laughs> and there's His Majesty looking at me because somebody was slow pulling the bloody dividers in. Oh. <laughs> Not for very long, I, I, I can tell you, because the truck's still moving. All this is happening on the moving truck, right? Yeah. So it was a question of, oh, but I, I was there, he was there, boom. So it was as quick as that. But, of course, they are quicker than, quicker than, <laughs> than is necessary. Yeah. When they want to, whoa, that could have been. Anyway, it's, it's, it's one of the stories that I, that I have that I remember, you know, I which I won't forget, of course. <laughs> but it is the time when... That close. You were in a cage with a lion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, outside the cage yeah. I was, but he, but I mean, face to face. Yeah. Because the cage was based on small wheels. But anyway, that's, anyway, that's a buy that, isn't it? Well, I think it's always wise to get on with your co-stars, and I think it's especially so if one of them is a lion. <laughs> well, that would be a bloody <laughs> lion, yeah. It was lovely. Anyway, I did that. And then from there, what did I do? Well, yes. did I, what did I do? Gaze the word after that, was it? Yes, yes, you've got gaze the now word. Now that's, you see, now that again is Tom Arnold, and it was the last thing that Novello wrote, uh, did. Uh, Cicely Courtage. And that I went into in um, uh, what was then the Saddle Theatre, which is now a cinema, isn't it, on the end of Shaftesbury Avenue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was 51 to 53, so that was another couple of years. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Long, big, long runs. They were successful shows. And, of course, there was always things to do, because I, I did just about every bloody thing in that. I wound up a state manager doing that. And so, because I often wonder about a long run, how, how you keep it interesting for, your, for yourself if you're in the same show every night for a couple of years. Yeah, well, especially on tour... Fortunately, I played golf, so you know I was able to get on the golf courses. And I must say, in those days, we were very lucky because I got a letter from the secretary of the Stage Golfing Society and go along to the golf clubs there and say, you know, this is who I am and this is where I am. I'm down the road, and I'm a member of Stage Golfing Society, and we were invited to play on the golf courses free. Ah. I played the big courses, you know, all around the country in British Scotland and everywhere, you know. 
And you still play, don't you? you oh, yes. Yesterday. Yes, I do. I play twice a week. But, uh, uh, so, touring was, you know, not as miserable as people think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't mind at all, but I did it for a, a very long time. But I was fortunate in, in most cases that I started with them in London. Yeah. And then because I was in work, and, you know, which was quite acceptable. I mean, an awful lot of people that uh, said, if you're working, work. Yeah. And if a job is offered to you, take it. Yeah. There's, there's an awful lot of actors. Don't muck about. You've got to be. You've got to be a a very well known, successful actor to be able to say no. I won't do that. Yeah. Or I don't want to do that. And even more successful if they actually send you scripts. You know, Your approval. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if if companies or people will do that, managements will do that, send you scripts, you do, and they really want you to do it, or the author suggests that you do it, or whatever, you're successful. When that happens, you are successful. Well, after Gazewood, was the Guys and Dolls 53, 56, was that when you met Lenny? Uh, yes. Uh, was it 53? 53, 56. What time? When was the uh, when was the coronation? Queen Elizabeth's coronation. That was fifty three. That was August fifty three. That's right. That's right. We, we, yes, that's right. Fifty three. That's it. So that's when you met Lenny. That's May. that. Yes, and he was a, he was a dancer in in, in in there, and I went in for playing Society Max. Mm-hmm. And so he was he was up on the show. So well, because t- oh, he was. Uh, Go on. So when, because when you wrote to me, you said if you, if anyone's ever doing projects about Doctor Who, you have to ask about Lenny Maine because yeah. you obviously became great friends. Yes. So, so yes. T- tell me about Lenny the man. Oh, he was a super guy, a really super guy, and a very funny man too, and a terrific dancer. But when it came to directing, he was something else. He was, he was top notch. Then, and the people that he had around him, it, I mean, the it, BBC, I mean, you, you know, with the crew, his crew, whatever the crew was, they loved him. Everybody, I don't know of any person I've ever met that, that even suggested, oh, well, we had a bad day that day. You never had a bad day with Lenny May. I don't know of anybody that has ever said that. Uh, did, you, did you prefer the stage to the screen, or did you not have a preference in terms of the actual enjoyment of doing it? Um, well, I suppose the stage, because you get immediate reaction. Yeah. You know you're, you know how things are going, and you know how you're going immediately. You know, you're, you can, there is a communication. It's very, it's a very, I mean, this has been said so billions of times, but you, you do get a feeling of immediate feeling from an audience of how you're doing, you know. And so I suppose, yes, my preference has always been the stage. Um, you, you, it's interesting what you talk about an audience and timing a performance because you did a lot of 
comedy. You worked with a lot of oh, yes. great comedians. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, comedy, yes. And it, 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 an awful lot of comedy. So, you, I mean, you seem to dip in and out of, of Hancock's show and play lots of different yes, parts yes, with him. Yes, yes, so, so how was that? And how did, that, how did, you, how did you get involved with, with Hancock? Duncan Wood, was a, uh, Duncan Wood was a member of the Stage Golfing Society. That's it. Aha! So I played, you know, you meet them. And, and, and of course, we were all actors and directors within the Stage Golfing Society. You were in, uh, you were in uh, amongst the people who were... We, we all did the same job, if you know where I mean. So you, you met them on, a, on, a, on, a, on the same level. And I became friends with Duncan Wood, played golf with him an awful lot. Duncan Wood was was the director for Tony Hancock. Yeah, and and how what how how was working with Hancock? Because obviously we know that brilliant comic, ah, yeah. the demons, and it's a difficult. Yes, yeah. Um, well, I got to know uh, Sid James better. Yeah, because Sid and I eventually worked together in a, 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 a another production of uh, Guys and Dolls. So I got to know him very well, but that was a long time later. Yeah. Right. But Tony had so much to learn. Tony Hancock had so much to learn every week. I mean, if you watch the shows, there's an enormous amount of dialogue in it, mm. and it's mostly him. Yeah. That you got. In his company, I suppose, for about ten minutes over a very quick drink in the green room, and that was it. So I didn't, I never got to know Hancock as a person at all, at all. So you strike me as somebody that, because it's such a precarious business, you seem to have just thrown yourself. You could turn your hand to anything. Yes. Yeah. If if it meant work, you just, would do it. Just about, just about, yeah. And uh, and uh, and apart from. The Geordie accent, I could manage just about anything that they asked for. Unless you record it, you don't know anyway. Mm. And the awful thing is that one never knows how one sounds themselves. As I speak to you, I have no idea what I sound like. Of course. Absolutely no idea. And if it's recorded, it's always a shock. Because yeah. it's not what you think it is at all. Do you like watching yourself on television? No. Oh, no. Because I always wish I could do it again. Mm. Oh, God. Oh. So have you ever seen your Doctor Who? Once, I think. Once. That was quite a good one to be in, because it, it was the 10th anniversary yes, of Doctor that's, Who, and it's the three, right. the three Doctors. That's right. So do you remember John Pertwee at all? Yes. Oh, he was fun. We had a great time. But as I say, it was only in the dressing rooms. Yeah. You know, when you're getting made up. But it was nothing but laughter. Terrific. I mean, especially with Lenny as a director, you know. It, it truly, I mean, it's great to spend an hour in the getting made up or whatever. Fantastic. Because most, most of your scenes were with Nicholas Courtney there that we've got a picture of. Oh, yes. He was lovely. He was a very funny man. Very funny man. And do you have do you have a taste? Do you like science fiction yourself? No, not really. Can can you see why people? Because it must be odd for you for a job that, as you say, didn't last particularly. It's long only a job, yeah. And was, I mean, it was it was made 
two years before I was born, yet here I am. Yeah. Um, can you understand why it is that, that Doctor Who seems to get the level of attention that it does? Well, I think it's the... I, truthfully, I think it's the warmth of the actors. Yeah, I think you can... You, a, you can immediately take to some people. There is a, a warmth from people. It's not the fact that they're particularly funny, and they don't even have to be funny. Uh, but when an actor arrives on the screen there, if he's, and you see him for the very first time, you're not aware, but if you see uh, his name in the Radio Times on something else, you want to watch it. Yeah. Simply because you enjoyed it. But why, why have you enjoyed him? And, and so many others, forget it. You see, if, I was watching, the, what was it, last night I was watching uh, one of your programmes of Lewis. Uh, uh, yeah. Did, right? And the, when you see Lawrence Fox, I get this feeling for this guy. If Lawrence Fox is like, I want to watch him. Now, I don't know Lawrence Fox, I've never seen him before. Don't know him at all. But I've seen his performances. And that's what it's, it's about. draws you in. And when you get a... When you get the people who are Doctor Who, you're getting the same people, aren't you? Yeah. Well, you've got two very good because you've got Patrick Troughton as well in the you one that you see, did. See, so you go. You can warm to people. You, it's people that you like to watch. People that entertain you. You know that if you see these people, you are going to be entertained. It's not a waste of time to turn on the telly because you know, because they're there, and that's the reason why. Unfortunately for the business, that is the reason why you see so many of the same people doing so much work, doing play after play, different play, play, play after play. All right, you want to do it, but are they very different? Well, do you feel then there were jobs that you would have loved to have done that you never got to do? All of them. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. Is that you, the you always there? get that feeling mm. as a as a, 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 a minor player. You always get that. You, I mean, it would be very, very no. You, if you, if if you are in the business and you are part of the business, that feeling is always there. I would like to do that part. Oh, and then so who were those that played some of the? Because you worked with some great leading actors. Who were those that you actually thought were the, the best actors that you worked with? That you just looked Judy Dench. Well really? It's not without an accident that without she's a doubt. Without what, a doubt. What, what is it that she does then that's so good, you think? Act. <laughs> plain, plain and simple. It's this warmth that they uh, are able to exude, that you are able to pick up. But Judy Dench is, not, is very seldom the same. She is, you know. She is, whatever she's playing, that's what she is. I mean, that can sometimes take a lot of an a, of, a, of a leading actor to to be so good. But uh, does that translate off stage? Was she? Oh, lovely! Oh, a joy! An absolute joy! Very funny lady, and she loved to laugh, and she was a giggler as well. You know, quite quite often on stage. You know. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> she was a giggler. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, oh, yes, lovely. 
Because before we started recording, you said you'd done 17 West yeah. End shows. Yeah, they're well, all there. Yeah, so what, well, what, what are the highlights for you then? of Because, the, I mean, one show in the West End for an actor, I think an actor can go, I've been to the West End. 17? Yeah. That's, that, I mean, that must, you must look on that with a certain amount of pride. Oh, well, well, yes. Uh, yes, I, well, you don't, I, they didn't sort of feel that. But nevertheless, it was work that I enjoyed doing. And, uh, and of course, actors always say they're lucky to, you know. To, but of course, you have to. You have to be the person that they want, and to be the person that they want, you have to be able to do the job. And to be able to do the job, they have to have experience. If they saw they'd employ you, you know. So, uh, so from that point of view, uh, a job well done, say. Yeah. Uh, so able to do it, and the job well done. That's it. Uh, as simple as that, really, but there's, you know, there's no swelling of the chest and all this business. It, that, that doesn't happen. Sure, sure. Yeah, I've yeah. never felt it anyway. Perhaps that's where I made my mistake. You, you, you alluded to the fact that sometimes there were periods when you were out of work. So oh, did, yeah. What did, did you have to do? Any, did you turn your hand to other things? Oh, yes, a lot of other things. Almost anything I could get hold of. Yes, especially when I was married, of course, and uh, and uh, two boys, you know, and uh, and but fortunately I was able to, to you know to get it on and I educate. They both went to very good schools. They went to Kingston Grammar School, and they both went to university. I I mean the, the business has treated me well. I mean I, I was able to do that. I bought a bloody house, and I've got. A, Wife and my wife and I have been together now for 50, 55 years or something, you know. And was she in the business? Did you meet? Oh, yes. There's a, she has a very nice picture of my wife in there somewhere. Big picture with a pussy cat on her shoulder. I shall find her. And so did you meet on a, you met on a job? The guys and Dolls. Ah. The tour of Guys and Dolls. That tour of Guys and Dolls seems well, to have yes, a number I, of friends. Yes, played a big part in my life. A big part in my life. Because... <clears throat> I went on to play Nicey Nicey John uh, with Nicey Nicey Johnson, Benny South Street. That's a leading character. Was Frances Pigeon on that production? As yeah. Well? Because she's Lenny's wife. Yes, yes. Well, and sadly, of course, Lenny's, Lenny met a very tragic end. Oh, God's sake. And I've never got over that. No. Every time I think of that, that hurts. That hurts a lot. Yeah, not hard. Yeah, he was a real friend, Lenny. Real friend. Could be fishing together as well. You know, I know, I knew the man. Lovely, lovely. And and strange for us as people that you know grow up knowing these names and Lenny that that his his twin girls turned fifty the other right, year. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Bernard Cribbins once said. Lenny Main was the only man he knew who'd get a 14-foot rod in a mini. Because <laughs> 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 yes. he, he, he directed most of your telly, didn't he, Lenny? A, a lot of, or a lot of the, a lot the of telly. It. Yes, a lot of it, yeah. What, what's, what sticks out of, of the telly jobs that you, you particularly enjoyed then? I liked the people in the Brothers very much. Oh yes. Uh, yes, I married them. You know those. Uh, I, I played the uh, 
not the minister, the, uh, the, the civil marriage. Oh, the registrar. The registrar, yeah. In that, no, but I like the people very much. I like the people. That's, I, I like that. I like that. Uh, and of course, I, I remember and got along with and was quite friendly with an awful lot of people that came into the Hancocks. Yeah. You know, because there was a few changes in that every week. But there was the, really, the repertory company of Hancock's. There was, you know. Mario Fabrizzi. Exactly, yeah. Those guys, yeah. Hugh Lloyd was always That's in, right, he? that's right. He was a nice man. Nice man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked playing Spot the Character actor in a lot of, oh, you know, 60s, yeah, 60s yeah. telly. Hugh, yeah, Hugh Lloyd. He was a very funny fellow, actually. Very funny. And John Le Mesurier was in because you were in the famous, oh. the famous Hancock episode where he watches Quatermass in the pit. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ooh, I hate worms. Indeed, <laughs> <laughs> in the tunnel, you know. John Le Mesurier was in that one. Yes, 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 yes. Now he was a shy man. Well, I always felt that he was shy. I always felt that he was shy get the opportunity to talk very much to John. I think that, that was that was why. I think that was why. See, I, yes, I I always felt he was a very nice shy man. And you mentioned to me in your letter that you wrote to me that you'd still be doing it if you if 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 if, if you could. If I could. But unfortunately especially as you see, I'm deaf. I mean, uh, and I wear two of them. I, I mean, only both ears. I mean, now, if you can imagine that you're off stage, that ain't funny. No. You're off stage and you're trying to tr listen for a cue. That ain't funny. And if it's a musical, it's even more fun. You know, with the music going on, and you're trying to listen to it. You have to take it from the music, not the not the scene. Yeah. But can you imagine if it's like that on stage? What it's like in the studio? Yeah. Where nothing is above a whisper. I mean, you're standing next to somebody. And if you're deaf, you're bloody deaf. Yeah. So when did you when did you stop? What? When did you retire? Uh, on the last, whatever the last thing is. Uh, dear, dear anyone, it was 1984. Uh, dear, no, and music business, but I followed that. That was the last one. And I went out on a flop, so there you go. Oh. <laughs> but it was too much. This, that, that was too, too, just too frightening. Well, you're not doing anybody any favours there. I mean, you can't do that to that. You can't do that to people. No, you sure. can't do it. Because other, other well, it's not just you, is it? Other people. Know. Yeah. You can't do that. So, like it or not. I just, just picked up your uh, uh, some of your programmes. Angela Lansbury. Yes, she's lovely. Now, I can tell you a story of that Angela Lansbury which I will remember to the day I die. That cannot be surpassed in its 
excellence. We were rehearsing in the drill hall at Clapham Junction. And it was a grotty bloody place, believe me, it was, it, I mean, it was dirty and it was grotty. <clears throat> and we'd rehearsed some things, but this particular morning we were sitting there because Ansler was going to try out everything's coming up broadly. It's a big number of the, the big number of the show. And we sat there, the whole company, and just the pianos there, sitting quite comfortably. And then we weren't. Because we all did this. And she sat and she worked that number, she worked that song. You will not believe what happened in that hall that morning. You cannot believe, you cannot begin to f imagine the atmosphere in there. And it's the only time in my life, through everything I've ever done, in any rehearsals, anywhere, that the whole of the company stood and applauded and shouted and whistled, even the bloody caretakers. <laughs> True. It's absolutely, I will never forget it. It was magical. She was wonderful. You've never seen anybody work a number like that, ever. Fantastic. She's wonderful. Star. And a gorgeous lady. Star quality. Gorgeous lady. But you, believe me, I've never known that ever to have happened to the all the stars I've ever worked with. Never. That has never happened. You can admire them when they're on the stage, but a rehearsal, a first rehearsal for her? Come on, you know, this has got to be spectacular. Spectacular, never forget it as long as I live. The feeling that you get from that is something else. I mean, if you, you know, you're an audience. Well, they did it when it, <laughs> when it happened in the theatre. This is exactly what they did. That must be an amazing they feeling stood. then when, you, when you've got the, that sort of audience response. Fantastic. Well, look, it's been marvellous talking to you about all of this stuff and going through your programmes as well. Thanks so much for letting us in. Um, oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, I have to ask you to nominate a charity for us. Ah, yes. So I suppose it better be cancer research, yes? Cancer research, yep. And the, the last thing is this interview was convened nominally because of Doctor Who's 50th anniversary. Yeah. So what is your message to the many Doctor Who fans out there, Laurie, who will be listening to this? Keep watching, keep demanding that you see it, and then keep sending me the checks. <laughs> Laurie Webb, for a very entertaining interview and some lovely hospitality. Thank you very much. Thank indeed. you very much. Marvellous. That was great. I hope that was okay for you. Yes. Did you see any of that? No, you didn't. <coughs> <coughs>
delightful company Laurie was, and he gave me a lot of time and some great hospitality and a, a surprise. I expected him to be like his character in The Three Doctors, sort of terse and monosyllabic. But, of course, he was bullient and joyful, and, uh, of course, he was. He's an actor. He was playing a character. Um, but, uh, oh, what a lovely fellow. And uh, his charity is Cancer Research UK, uh, which is uh, www.cancerresearchuk, all one word, all small case, dot org, cancerresearchuk.org. And please follow me on Twitter, at Toby Haydock, at T-O-B-Y-H-A-D-O-K-E. And uh, there you can find out where to give me money uh, for the Psoriasis Association, for whom I am running 10K. I don't even know what that is uh, in May. So uh, if you get to do that, that would be nice. Until next time, bye-bye. Oh, 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 thank goodness. Uh, it's you. I, I thought for a moment it was... Uh, well, uh, I just sit down for a moment. Uh, I, I'm glad I, I met you, as a matter of fact. Um, there's something I, I want to tell you. Uh, when we start out on our next adventures, uh, uh, Jamie, Polly, Ben, um, Victoria, Zoe and I, uh, we, uh, <clears throat> we visit new places. Uh, we also meet some new enemies. Uh, there's the evil Provost Curtis, uh, ruling a place called The Edge, there's the monstrous integral, and there are horrible figures waiting for a, a special train in 1920. It's all just a little bit more frightening than last time. So <clears throat> I, I want to warn you that if your your mummy or, or daddy are scared, you you just get them to hold your hand. Oh, here we go again. I better go. See you soon. I hope. Doctor Who, The Companion Chronicles, The Second Doctor, Volume 1, coming June 2016.